Just like that, the final hour is here on this Monday edition. Hutton and Withrow for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe while you're there. You can watch any of the great programs here on the network. Hope you'll share and like the video as well that you can watch on demand anytime. Streaming live at Outkick.com as well. Chad, uh, the news is official as we begin the third hour. Aaron Rodgers has been officially traded to the New York Jets, Green Bay, and the, the New York Jets coming to terms on a contract, excuse me, on the trade where the, the deal ultimately comes down to the conditional pick next year, where it becomes a first rounder next year if he plays 65% of the snaps or more of the plays or more for the Jets this upcoming season. They get a first round pick if that happens. If not, it's a second round pick next year. And they're swapping first round picks this year, plus Green Bay is getting a second round pick, one of the two second rounders for the Jets. So the Jets this year still keep their uh, a first round pick. They didn't trade a first round pick this year, potentially next year, but they also keep one of their two second round picks this year, which I think is also important. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an argument to be, this is when you know it's a good deal, good yeah. trade, yeah. a fair trade, is that there's an argument to be made that either team made out well in this. That you, could, you can see there's a viable argument about what side got the best part of this deal. And I say that to say that is a great indicator that it was a fair trade. It's just like if you put out a poll question and it's 50-50 on the poll question, you think, well, that's a pretty mm. good question because it's, it's perfectly divided. I think this is a pretty well-divided-up trade package uh, in terms of compensation for Aaron Rodgers, who, with all the excitement and fervor about this, it's only a 2023 thing because yeah. he may not come back for 2024. Chad, I, I want to pass along what Ed Werder sent out, which is a, amazing. Just when you look at the numbers, his uh, Rodgers, av- just an average season for Rodgers would be the greatest single season in yards and touchdown passes in Jets history. So Aaron Rodgers averages per season 4,193 yards passing. The Jets' single season record holder is Joe Namath back in 1967 with 4,007 yards. And Rodgers averages over the courses of his career 33 touchdown passes the single season record holder is Ryan Fitzpatrick with 31. That is crazy to consider the have and the have nots just with everyone versus Rodgers in regards to the quarterback they just they just traded for and the all in aspect. But really, I mean, they're all in with their roster. They have a very young core. They have the offensive and defensive rookie of the year from last season with Wilson and Sauce Gardner, and they get what Brees Hall back in the backfield. And again, they still have a first-round pick at 15 overall, and they have pick 41 in the second round. And, and not that the weather is some breeze or nothing in, in New York, New Jersey, late in the season, but think about Aaron Rodgers putting up those average stats <laughs> in Green Bay. Yeah. Those are his average years in Green Bay, and he, he's not been doing this in uh, Atlanta or in an indoor stadium. He's been doing this in hey. Green Bay with late fall and winter in Green Bay. Not exactly pleasant. And uh, now he goes to the Jets where, again, it's not pleasant, but it's also not a frozen tundra. I, I'm, I'm just thinking about all the storylines real quick. Robert Sala, time to win. 
but Nathaniel Hackett a year ago was brought in as a first-time head coach in Denver because Aaron Rodgers might be available. And literally within the hour of Rodgers deciding to stay in Green Bay, they trade for Russell Wilson. And now Hackett's the OC with the New York Jets. I mean, how quickly will he get the blame if things aren't going well early on for the Jets based on, on last year? Here's, well, here's uh, who I'm thinking about also right I think now. the media is going to give it to Rodgers, though. Let me give you another name that comes to if mind immediately. Go, well. go ahead. Zach Wilson. Yeah. What's that guy thinking right now? I mean, I mean my, my ceiling every, is Sam Darnold. Every is dude, what he's thinking. All Backup the, somewhere. All, Occasional the, all the great players on his roster are tweeting, you know, exhilaration yes. for the trade. They're tweeting uh, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, several others. They have changed their social media avatars to Aaron Rodgers wearing number eight at Cal. So, I mean, and that, by the way, he's wearing number eight in New York. Yeah. With the throwback. What's your gut feeling on this? How do you think it turns out? Just gut feeling for Rodgers in New York. I think it's going to work. Meaning, I think they're going to get to. They're going to they're going to get to the divisional round of the playoffs at minimum. I think that to me that's the bar for working right now. But I mean, look, I also understand what, well, this is an organization that has not won. So to me, getting to the divisional round of the playoffs is a win for the Jets. They're also doing this to win a Super Bowl. So if in two or let's say they, let's say he plays three years, let's let's get wild here. 39 right now. Let's say he plays until he's 42. And if they don't win a Super Bowl in those three years, it, it's, it's a failure. Well, but that, That's a tough the, level to go to, but I think it's probably the divisional round, not the way they want it. If they it don't, sounds crazy. I'm with you. If they don't win it all in three years with them. This the, year, I think divisional round. Divisional round, though, is not created equal for Aaron Rodgers. Because if you win the division and potentially, you're, you potentially get a bye and you lose in the divisional round, that's what has happened with him in Green Bay. Yeah. He's got to do more than that. Um, Winning a wild card game, you're saying, would be well, you, bigger than that. No, I'm saying like he's the divisional round just to get there. They're, you know, How about when, this? when they're the number one seed and they lose, you look at it like a, it's, it's a massive failure. They've got to... I don't think it's a this, massive win if this happens, but I'll just say, okay, not bad if they win a playoff game. That would be my, that would be well, my standard for what needs to happen. And we're now. judging this based on the list of quarterbacks that run the AFC and run the league. But he's one of them now. Like we're just doing just a straight one-time joining a roster. The, the Madonna, share Prince, one-name quarterback conference is the AFC. Now, now, if you start going through the list of the quarterbacks that we would put in that cat, imagine if you go through all those quarterbacks and you're, you're a team that doesn't have that dude, any of those guys. How do you feel today? Not good. And it was already official, right? But unofficially Not good. Official. If you're if you're trying to sell a one name quarterback as Sam and you're Sam Howell and the Commanders, you're probably not feeling too great about your chances right now. Well, but so that goes back to Ryan now, now Tannehill. So now we tie in not, the draft. Not a good feeling. I mean, and that's why uh, let's go down the list once again. Colts. Now it's time to invest. Texans, Colts, Raiders, Titans. Four teams drafting in the top eleven that are ultimately looking for their their Aaron or their Burrow or their Deshaun or Lamar or go down the list, Allen, of one-name celebrity great quarterbacks in the NFL. That's what these AFC teams are after now. And the Jets just got theirs. So kudos to them. This could also backfire. So let's, you're saying that... Let's also acknowledge that 
with everything that has gone on with Aaron Rodgers and everything else, this could ultimately backfire. But my gut reaction, Hutton, is I don't think it does. I think they're successful with him. Dove Kleiman tweets out, Brett Favre played for the Jets on his age 39 season in 2008, 15, after 15-plus 15 seasons with Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, 39, repeating the exact same script. That's also crazy to consider. Yeah. Exactly 15 years later. Ultimately, you know, we thought, type of we thought Aaron Rodgers didn't like the way Brett Favre treated him early on in his career, but maybe he just wanted to be Brett Favre. And now, along. hey, now it's, Jordan, on his path. now it's Jordan Love's chance. It's taken a while. L- give me, uh, um, but, ask me my gut reaction to how it's going to go for Jordan Love and the Packers. How's it going to go for Jordan Love and the Packers? Terrible. <laughs> That's my gut feeling. It's going to be awful. <laughs> He's not any good. And I think they know that. And that's why they were desperate to do anything to please Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> well, short of making him general manager the last couple of years. I well, think they would have given him that title after they decided to draft Jordan Love and not tell him about it in the first round. So my my gut reaction tells me the old Packers are going to be in the QB market next offseason. Since we're spitballing here, we're reacting to the trade, and now we're down the Jordan Love path. Um, our previous guest, Hendon Hooker. If you start thinking about teams that make sense – for his style and teams that could give him a year, Green Bay's one of them because they need to figure out about Jordan Love. And if you, if we're going down the McVay list of type of offense, one of them's in Green Bay with LaFleur. Yeah. So I don't, again, that Green Bay becomes the king of pissing off your starting quarterback by drafting a quarterback in the first round at that point. Going back to yeah. Aaron Rodgers with Brett Favre there. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense because I just don't buy, I don't buy Jordan Love being a real factor. He's going to be their starter this year. He's going to get every man. opportunity, and maybe he proves me wrong. And maybe Matt Lafleur is just such a great offensive coach that he can devise a system around him that's going to work. My gut feeling on this is the Packers will be drafting a quarterback or searching for a free agent or a trade a year from now to find their guy. And they'll join a long list of teams that are trying to do that. Looking for the one name. Looking uh, for that one name QB. Are you with me? The one name QB for Houston should not be Will Levis if they're drafting quarterback at two. Now, if a team's trading up, I don't know why you're trading up to number two to draft Will Levis over C.J. Stroud. I don't get this uh, consensus drop all of a sudden. Vegas is leading the charge on that with the odds for the number two overall selection. I don't know what's a smokescreen or not. I don't know if the the quarterbacks dropping off the face of the earth like we saw last year is about to happen with the top 10 this year. Who knows? But one thing I don't know, uh, one thing I do know is Will Levis, to me, is in no way in the same conversation as what C.J. Stroud was in college. And I, you know, I'll argue this. Talent around him or not, that dude had his moments. And when it came time to step up in some big moments, I saw C.J. Stroud do that. Not every time, but I can show you examples. Meanwhile, I just see excuses for Levis. And, Chad, I, I just scratch my head at the, oh, you know, this guy has good size and the speed. And there's really no knock in regards to that on C.J. Stroud. And, you know, Levis has the... You know, the, the look of a franchise quarterback and the love from the, the, the scouts and apparently some of these coaches, I just didn't see the production. 
And that's why it's hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that, oh, what we're hearing on Levis going as the number two quarterback selected is true. I just can't buy it. I can't put my money behind it the way Vegas wants me to expect and, and trying to convince me to do it. No, I think the good bet right now is taking the plus money on C.J. Stroud. And, uh, Still at number two. Second, yeah. second player second selected. Spot. Not quarterback, but right. second player. Right, so that could include someone trading up to get him. I think that's where the smart money would lie. I, I, I cannot buy, no matter what Vegas tells us right now, and Vegas is usually right, and we're they, usually wrong usually when you challenge know. Vegas, but I cannot buy that Will Levis is suddenly this second quarterback taken behind Bryce Young. I think it's more likely that Will Levis lasts until the, a double-digit pick than he is the number two pick. But maybe I'll be proven completely wrong on Thursday. I just don't see it. What will Kuiper be like whenever, if Levis goes number two? I saw the one, uh, the clip's been circling today of Mel Kuiper way back in the day just going ballistic when Trent Dilfer was passed up by the Colts and they had Jim Harbaugh <laughs> there and then the Colts, whoever the GM was for the Colts, came on and just bashed <laughs> the living hell out of I, Mel Kuyper for that. They said this is why they're going to pick second every man. year in the draft is because they make stupid decisions like this. That he may go that much scorched earth if Will Levis falls in this draft. That's how much he loves the guy. Kuyper. Like, he's, he's the, the GOAT of the the uh, the NFL draft as we know it, but man, I he's still sticking by it though, Chad. That Levis is the top player for him at quarterback. I think Mel Kiper is one of those crazy success stories. Like, as you're right, he is the the draft guy, right? But it's time and place. Like he got in early when not a lot of people were was, doing this, you know, year round. He was the only one doing it, he and was what doing he was trying to do, and in then the ESPN, of his home. yeah, ESPN in Baltimore, yeah, ESPN snatched him up early on when they got the rights to the NFL draft, and as the draft became this gigantic television event, Mel Kiper became more and more of a of a celebrity. Chad, as you know, I'm not one to make appointment viewing for the National Basketball Association. Mm-hmm. Wake me up whenever the conference finals roll around. That's not the case this year. I've abs- I was watching pregame coverage of the first round on Saturday with LeBron and Dylan Brooks going face-to-face and then watching that matchup. Yesterday, I'm watching Grizzlies and Kings and the investment there, and I'm thinking, this is exactly what the league needs. It's the, the, the controversy with the fouls, the suspensions, who should be, who shouldn't be, how are we reacting to Embiid not getting the suspension, or getting tossed, but we see it from Draymond. What's intentional, what's not from Dylan Brooks. Calling out the King, and then LeBron responding with the way he did. And, oh, by the way, the Warriors aren't dead. And we could see the matchup in round two, and it just adds to the build and the drama. What is par for the course, though, and you pointed this out earlier, is Jalen Rose finding something to complain about other than a call on the court or who's getting the ball last in the game. And that's exactly what he's doing in response to Phil Jackson's comments. Well, is there a more, Dan Dockage brought this point up, is there a more irrelevant pre-halftime and post-game NBA show than whatever ESPN does with Jalen Rose, considering the popularity of Inside the NBA on TNT? That is such a distant second place. I can't even tell you who's really on that show other than Jalen Rose. But regardless, Phil Jackson stated what a lot of Americans stated in that I just think the NBA went too political back in the bubble year with all of the messages and the name changes on the back of the jersey. 
to different social justice causes and all of that. And he said, I, I want basketball to be more about basketball. I want the NBA to be about the basketball and nothing else. This is not an uncommon opinion. But to Jalen Rose, this is one of the worst things you can say. And he essentially you know, accused him of racism and said that Phil Jackson you know, uh, made his millions of dollars on the backs of great black players that he had over the years. And uh, it's, it's, it's another ridiculous statement from Jalen Rose. My message is simple. If I'm the NBA or any other league, I have no message other yeah. than watch my sport. we got a great sport, a great product with great coaches and players. It's going to be played with integrity. Uh, the games are going to be officiated as best we can. And we're going to try to get your money. That's it. We want eyeballs and we want money. We celebrate and we support one cause here, and it's the cause of my league, the NBA. That's what we're all about, and that's what we're going to be about. And far too many leagues have decided to dip their toes in social justice causes. And because of that, I think you've got some failing viewership in certain leagues like the NBA. Now, I'm with you, Hutton. Give me more of this. Give me more of the on-court drama. Give me more of Dylan Brooks versus LeBron James. Give me more great basketball, high-scoring basketball being played between the Warriors and the Kings. That's a great series now at 2-2. And it's, it, I think it's only going to get better. With drama in the second quarter instead of the final three minutes. Give me less Jalen Rose, though, and, and just being offended by anyone who's got you know, an opinion that's, that's unlike his. I don't think Phil Jackson said anything wrong with this. He just echoed what millions of people have echoed right. about the NBA. Um, but I, I, I do like the series we're witnessing now, and I, I think there's more good things to come. Now, with Dylan Brooks calling out LeBron James that way and LeBron's re- response, really need that thing to go 2-2. Really need the Grizzlies the to strike back. Because if not, this thing's over in five, then Dylan Brooks didn't help anything with that message LeBron James because he may have taken a series that was going to go the distance and go seven. He may have helped make it a five-game series by not just pissing off LeBron well, James, but waking up the entire team who played great I, in that game three. They, they did, and but he also made comments prior to game one. Yeah, He's like, bring on LeBron. I'll be happy to knock yeah, him out. Yeah, he said the Lakers would be and, a great opponent. And L.A. Them. won game one, and everyone thought, oh, without Ja, they're done. And then the Grizzlies returned serve. It's it. Both of these series are, have been fantastic. I expect both losing teams to rebound and and play well. But Chad, I'm with you. I mean, it, the best thing that, to me that could have happened for the league is Dylan Brooks actually steps up and lives up to the trash talk this weekend. Then you have L.A. return that serve to tie the series again, because then you have the the drama mount instead of oh hey, uh, what is it Draymond Light? What diet Draymond? Is what uh, Dockett said. That's yeah, great. Diet Draymond Green. It's very predictable that, oh, you don't step up to the king. You're not ready for that. I was hoping he was. Because then you have the new star in the making, the new guy on the block that's living up to the, the talk instead of hyping up a fight and it's a one-off. There's still time for him to do that, right? I'm hoping that happens. I hope this is a Game 7 type series. I want it to be a Game 7. I, I want, want this to be an all-out I all want out them war. going back to Memphis and it being a raucous environment and uh, a chance at some point for the Grizzlies to advance. 
I just really feel like this thing is headed downhill for the Grizz after and uh, the biggest reason the trash talk to LeBron James. He didn't even wake up LeBron. He woke up the team, Anthony Davis and others. Yeah, that came out it was twenty four to six or something to begin the game. Coming up, we get back to the NFL draft. The big board at Outkick.com. Dan Z authors it. We'll hit where the quarterbacks will fall and how it dictates literally everything else we're going to see on Thursday. Big preview ahead on Hot Mike. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Chad, we've been discussing, you know, the, the winners of the Rodgers trade. It's official for those just joining us. Welcome back. Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. All of us are winners <laughs> just, with this, right? Oh, absolutely. I also it's just over. saw a, a tweet from our buddy. <laughs> this from actually from uh, DraftKings tweeted this, and I don't know what the quote is. It just says, reminder, Zach Wilson said this about a veteran quarterback coming in. <laughs> it's a short video. And I'm thinking, this cannot be good for Zach Wilson, whatever it was that he said. <laughs> and that's where my mind immediately popped was, boy, I'm thinking about Zach Wilson today. What a, what a turn for his, his career. Not the, that we didn't already know what was The big coming. board remains the same uh, regardless of this trade. Uh, for Dan Z at Outkick.com, he joins us now. The final big board for Thursday's draft is in. Dan, thank you for the time as always. What do you make of the trade now being officially official? Rodgers to the Jets. Yeah, I think the Packers did pretty well, to be honest. I mean, assuming that Rodgers wasn't going to go anywhere else, uh, they held firm for a long time and got at least a second round pick or at least two second round picks, likely a first round pick out of it, although next year and moved up a couple of spots. Um, I thought, honestly, the Packers did pretty well. I tweeted this out, you know, takes the Jets from like the sixth best team in the AFC to fifth, fourth, maybe. I don't know. I'm yep. not I'm not buying it yet that the Jets are automatic Super Bowl contenders. Well, and that's you know, we're we're talking about what is success. Hutton asked me, you know, what what's success for the Jets? And I think, well, first off, it's him playing three years. Right? That's that's a big part of this. And then it, obviously they're going for broke. So winning a Super Bowl in those three years, but in year one, Dan. I said, if they make the divisional round in this AFC, that's a big success for this Jets team. How, how would you define what that looks like from your perspective, but also from the Jets' perspective in this first year, what success would look like with Aaron Rodgers? I think it's Super Bowl or bust, to be honest with you, from everyone's perspective. If you're a Jets fan today and you don't reach the Super Bowl, that's a failure. Uh, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you've only reached and won one Super Bowl – and you go to this team that's supposedly all they need is a quarterback. So that's you, buddy. So he has to be successful. And I think from a Jets front office standpoint, you make this move, um, you give up some picks. I, I, I don't know how it's anything short of at least a Super Bowl appearance. I, I really don't for anyone involved. Well, the fact that you're saying, though, about the Jets, 
that's a massive win for the Jets well, to not even give up a first-round pick this year here's, to get that guy. Here's something else, Dan, that I think is kind of a win for the Jets in a weird way, and this is like the, you know, the reverse compliment. Um, them giving up draft picks seems damaging now, where in years past we wouldn't have cared because they were terrible at drafting players. But they've actually been pretty good in the draft in recent years to build up this roster the way they have with, with young yeah, and, players. And just to follow so that, it's a little bit different. they still have their first – they're moving back two spots. They still have their first-round pick, and they have two second-round picks this year, so they still have a second-round pick as well to do exactly what they've been doing with Joe Douglas and company. Yeah, the only the big losers today are anyone who hates watching the Jets on television because I'm about to write a piece here for Outkick. Looking at their opponents for – the schedule release will be next month, but looking at the Jets' opponents, you could make a case that – 10 of their games are deserving of being on primetime. Now, the NFL record for primetime games in a season for one team is six. And that's the maximum. I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, I would love to see the NFL be like, you know what? We're going to throw that out because we want Aaron Rodgers and the Jets on. I mean, look, look at the teams they play the Eagles, yeah. the Cowboys. Giants, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Bills twice, the Dolphins twice. You could make an argument for Browns Jets, Patriots Jets. I mean, they're going to want this team in front of, in the spotlight, as often as they can get. It's actually going to be tough for them to decide which game goes into primetime over, you know, uh, again, like I'm having trouble figuring out which one. Like you have, you got to go Chiefs, right? Like we got to have Rodgers and the Chiefs. We got to have Jets, Giants. In primetime, the Battle of New York with with Aaron Rodgers. Cowboys, man, if you don't like watching the Jets, this is not your season. You're right. Dan Z with us. What are you buying for the number two pick? What do you actually believe with quarterback, defense? Is Houston trading out? Are they going to draft C.J. Stroud? Are they actually taking Levis? Of all the buzz, where do you think it actually settles on Thursday, Dan? I mean, this is the the crux of the draft, really. We're going to find out very quickly if the uh, the C.J. Stroud stuff is smoke or if it's fire because Houston, I think, wants to get out of number two. I do believe that they would like to get out of number two. The problem is everybody's trying to move back in this draft. The Packers are apparently the only team that wants to move up in this draft. Everyone else is trying to move down, and the problem is if everyone wants to move down, then no one wants to move up. So the question here is – is someone going to move up into that two spot for CJ Stroud? At this point, I would say, no, that's not going to happen. The most likely scenario. I mean, Vegas seems to think that Will Levis is now the favorite uh, to go number two. I don't think so. I don't think, because I think the Colts are really the only team I would think might do that. I think they can wait at four if they want to take, roll the dice, which I think they should. And I'm not convinced that Houston is going to be able to go anywhere. And at that point, I really buy that they're not going to take a quarterback. They just brought in a head coach who's defensively minded. And if he's not in love with one of these quarterbacks and he's got a shot to take arguably the best defensive player in the draft, or it'll be the, the best defensive player in the draft on their board, whether it's a, a Tyree Wilson or Will Anderson. So ultimately, no, I don't think Stroud goes two, And I don't think Houston's going to be able to find a trade partner. I think they end up getting stuck at two and then taking whichever players higher on their board. You know, history tells us that, you know, one, maybe two of these quarterbacks will fall further than when most people expected them to go in the draft. Who are you betting on making that fall right now, Dan, when you look at C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, 
Anthony Richardson. Hendon Hooker is not expected to go until later in the first round, so I'm excluding him from this. Is it one of those guys? Is it two of those guys? Is it maybe all three of those guys based on what could happen? I don't think Levis is going to fall outside the top five. I, I, I buy that the Colts are, are in. That's their guy. Um, if not, and they're just making noise to make people think that, then, man, good on them. That's really good work. Uh, I don't think Levis falls. Richardson, I'm having a hard time figuring out where he's going to go. I think at some point somebody gets jumpy, and I, I can't see Stroud sliding, say, outside the top eight. I would be shocked if he fell past eight. Um, someone will make a move up at that point. But Richardson could be the Justin Fields of this draft, that middle of the first round, which is honestly with everything we thought about Anthony Richardson is still high from where he was before the combine. I mean, he was a yeah. fringe first round pick early second some had him as late as like a third. And then all of a sudden he became this surefire top five pick. And it's possible that we all just overreacted throughout the process. And he's always been a mid to late first round pick. Um, you know, again, the combine performance, some things got people excited about him, but I think, I think Richardson is probably at the biggest risk to fall, you know, as far as maybe like middle of the first round, 15, 16. Uh, I don't see Stroud outside the top eight. I don't see Levis outside the top five. So in regards to going back to Houston at two and looking at your big board, where do you, Dan Z with us from Outkick, and you could get the full uh, big board available now at Outkick.com. So Tyree Wilson, Will Anderson at the top. You can have your pick there. Where does it become necessary to be like, okay, we're going to trade back, potentially give up on the opportunity of drafting one of those two, but we could still end up with another edge guy or Jalen Carter or the top corner, wherever you want to take it. Where is the value for either Wilson or Anderson versus the rest of the defensive group on your board? Uh, I think they're both head and shoulders, at least uh, among edge rushers. I would put them in a tier of their own. Um, I know some people are all of a sudden low on Anderson. I think there's a little bit of prospect fatigue there, but I have those guys far and away as the, the best edge rushers in this draft. Um, and then I've got Miles Murphy next, and I have him at 10 overall, where I've got Anderson and Wilson both inside the top five. So I do think there's a significant drop-off. The interesting thing when it comes to teams talking about trading down here is a lot of reports today, I found this fascinating, is that you know one anonymous GM says there are less than 15 players on their team's board in which they give a first-round grade which I think is really interesting. And it also sort of doesn't make sense if everyone's trying to trade back. Cause my thought would be, well, then we got to get one of those 15 guys, especially if we're on the fringe, if we're picking in that, you know, 14 through 18 range, we better make sure we get one of these first rounders. Um, so at what point is trading back too far going to possibly have you making a first round pick of a guy you don't even have graded in the first round. That's, the divide I'm wondering about here, is that true? Is it true that there's really only 15 guys who are worthy of a first round pick or less um, with all the chatter we're hearing about, you know, potential trade backs. When you look at the, the top three receivers that may go in the first round, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, is there any big separation between those three guys? Do you look at one of them a notch higher than the other two? 
No, not really. I actually like Quinton Johnson a little bit better than uh, all the guys you mentioned. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I, you put Jackson Smith and Jake yeah, in there. I, ha- yeah. I have him in his own tier, so I actually took him out of the equation for myself. Yeah. To me, he is the first-round graded wide receiver for me, and the only one in this draft. The only one that I would take um, in the top 10 to 15 picks. None of the other guys really impress me that much, but I do have Johnston maybe – you know, a notch above. I, I I understand that a lot of people are super high on Zay Flowers right now. Um, I, I tried to get there with him. I went back. I looked at the film. I, I can't I can't see all of this sudden talk that he's a potential top ten pick. I mean, he's a five foot nine slot guy. He could be a nice player. We've seen guys like that succeed. But a guy like that coming out of Boston College, I, I don't know that he showed enough in college. He didn't really. Wow. At the combine, again, a guy at that size, I want to see some numbers at the combine that really make me go. He is a physical freak. Maybe I'm wrong. Could be wrong. Wouldn't be the first time I was wrong. Um, but I'm not buying the Zay flowers buzz and I don't like Jordan Addison at all. I, he reminds me just too much of a, a typical USC wide receiver that gets a lot more hype than he's worth. I'd be fine with him. Um, somewhere in like the middle of the middle to late second round, but I have a feeling he's going to get well overdrafted, um, in this one. I can't get there with Addison. I think, again, this is not to disparage Zay Flowers in any way, except that I'm not as high on him as everybody else's. I still think he's a very nice player, has a chance to be a very good NFL player, uh, but I'm not nearly as high on him as, as other players. And I'd much rather have Quinton Johnson's size and and speed combination than, than Zay Flowers. Yeah, and it's tough to find that size this year um, in, in this wide receiving core. Uh, I think Tillman's the second biggest receiver Cedric Tillman from Tennessee compared to Quentin Johnson. Everyone else is small, quick, uh, slot guy. Very specific X receivers in regards to both of those guys. Um, Cam Smith has covered uh, some of these receivers you've talked about, Dan. Um, And he's also defended the quarterbacks at the top of this draft, especially from the SEC. He's one of the top corners out of South Carolina. He says that the toughest quarterback he faced was Hendon Hooker, not Richardson, not Levis. What do you make of that comment? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, to be honest with you. Um, he, as you said, he he faced Levis, not last year. Levis actually missed the South Carolina game, but he faced Levis in, in 2021. And Levis didn't actually play particularly well in that game. But, you know, Smith still had some praise for him. Like, yeah, I could see it, you know, even though he didn't play particularly well in that game. Um, but immediately when I asked him which of the three, he said Hendon Hooker without skipping a beat. Like he's by far the most accurate of the three mentioned um, that his short ball game, his deep ball game, that everything you'd want in a quarterback, Hendon Hooker was the guy. But perhaps the most interesting thing that he didn't really say is he kind of said, oh, you know, I, I didn't really face Richardson. I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, he didn't throw the ball against us. And I was like, well, do you think that was game plan, your defense? He goes, I don't know, didn't throw the ball against us. And he had this look on his face. Like, again, it wasn't wasn't anything he said. It was what he didn't say. He really seemed to be, at least to me, implying that he was not afraid of Anthony Richardson, that they were not worried about Anthony Richardson throwing the ball. Now, they did run for almost 400 yards in the game, so he didn't have to throw. Um, but I was I would have some concern with a cornerback's reaction that he had when I, when he, when I mentioned Anthony Richardson and then followed up on Anthony Richardson, he did not seem overly complimentary of him. Yeah. What's funny is they lost, I think 38 to six to Florida in that game where they ran all over them and they upset and beat Tennessee, but yet it's still hooker who's more memorable to him. Um, He easily ranked Richardson as the third of those three. Bijan Robinson, uh, 
among the top players in the entire draft. You've got him at number two on your board. He's going to end up playing for a Super Bowl contender, you know, because of his position, right? I, I, a team may trade up for him. He's definitely one of the 15 or so. If, if there's 15 to 18 first rounders, he's one of them. And he's worthy of moving up a couple of spots to draft if, in fact, you're in need of someone that's going to make you instantly better week to week. That's what he provides. I, I wouldn't trade up for him, though. See, that's the, that's the rub here when it comes to running backs. I think we, we, we touched on this a little bit last time I was on, which is that you draft a guy like Bijan, a running back, when you are – it's a luxury item. It's not necessarily something you need. So no one needs Bijan Robinson in their, in their lineup, but they'd love to have him. Now the question is, you're already drafting a running back potentially very high, which is history has shown is not great value. If you then tack on trading up and giving up more draft capital to get a running back, any running back, even if he happens to be a generational running back, unless he does something we've quite literally never seen before, I don't think there's the value in trying to trade up for him because, again, it's just so hard to justify not only taking a running back in the first round, but giving up additional capital, which is why I actually think like you guys said, he's going to end up on a very good team that can just sit there and wait. And honestly, if another team jumped ahead of me and grabbed him, I wouldn't be that upset. Even if he was the next guy on my board and I was like, Hey, we're going to go get this guy. If someone jumped up and was willing to spend mid round picks to do it. I think at that point you just tip your hat and move on, man. I just think, you know, it, it does depend on the organization, but him with Buffalo or throwing Kansas City or any of these, like the, the do-it-all player that he can provide, instant. I mean, it's another weapon that makes good teams great. But think of how far those teams you just mentioned have to move up to do that. I mean, I we're, not, we're I, talking I don't about know how teams. Far. I don't know how far because of his position. Well, you've got the Eagles sitting there at 10. Um, he That's definitely a spot where you might look for him. Um, I like him to Detroit as well. They theoretically could take him at six if they really felt good about it. Uh, I don't think they will, but they could. And then, you know, Detroit picks again at 18. Even if, let's say, it was going to be 18 to Detroit and you're, I don't know, Buffalo or KC, that's, that's almost, that's 10 spots you've got to move, 10 or more in the first round. That is a lot of capital you'd have to give up. Still, those dudes, uh, they, you know where I'm coming from on this. They're not worried about, they know they're going to be picking low again next year. You know, like it's just, Buffalo desperately needs that run game going. Like that, that's the investment I would be making. Um, and if you're not wanting to pay $10 million a year for a running back at the top, and I get why, you know, you go young, but they've tried that. I would go with the best guy with the potential of being a true game breaker for me in the, in, in January, which they haven't had. But Buffalo has a lot of other holes too, that for a team that's been a perennial yeah, contender. Yeah, you're right. Like they have, they have been, their defense got pushed around in the playoffs. Their defensive line got pushed around by the Bengals offensive line and the Bengals offensive line wasn't very good. And it hasn't been very good. And they didn't do anything against them. Like that's a much more pressing need for Buffalo right now um, Kansas City, I could I could get there with just because I don't know. I mean, they won the Super Bowl, right? And they didn't really get gutted in free agency or anything. The core of the team, for the most part, is back. So I could maybe see it a little more with KC. But if I'm Buffalo, I, I think they have way too many holes to fill to be giving up too much capital to take a running back. 
Dan Z, you can check out the full draft board, the big board available at outkick.com. Great work as usual, man. Thank you for the time. And uh, let's catch up soon as the, uh, the draft gets underway. It's finally here. Thanks, guys. Final mock draft coming out Thursday morning. Check it out. Outkick.com. Let's do it. Thanks, uh, there's, Dan. There's Dan Z. We will uh, certainly do that as with the draft prep and the preview continues. Final mock draft Thursday morning. Good time for it, considering drafts Thursday night. Hutton, I am uh, excited that the Aaron Rodgers news is done. How excited? I'm actually going to be a little sad when the, the draft is, is done on Thursday night. I'm the rare one that's like, you know, I, I, I look forward to it, then it's gone. It's like the, the final it's like a gust of wind. college football game of the year. And then it's gone, yeah. I sit around and cry during bowl <laughs> week constantly. I watch the R&L Carriers New Orleans Bowl, and I immediately start to get melancholia. Yeah. And then Chad will watch full coverage of the second, third, fourth rounds. Did I just binge watch an entire series of a show after that? Coming up, we uh, preview the sports night ahead. We'll continue the discussion on the trade reaction. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Hotline. Chad, what's your gut feeling on Grizzlies Lakers this evening? My gut feeling is that uh, Dylan Brooks uh, is going to take another gut shot in this game by LeBron James. And he may try to take a, another shot at LeBron he James might, at some might. point. I'm glad he wasn't suspended because of this. Like, I'm tuned in more. And all with Draymond's yeah. suspension, it was like, oh, is he going to do the podcast afterwards, which he did. Is it going to be like the last time we suspended for the playoffs where he was sitting over at the, what was it, the Oakland A's game? Yeah. With everything going on at the arena. And he's just watching it from uh, one of the suites. Um, at least Jordan Brooks, is, uh, Dylan Brooks, excuse me, is playing, and we get to see the trash talk again. I love the Brian Windhorst description of diet Draymond Green. That's great. To describe <laughs> Dylan Brooks. Hey, it's a chance for him to... Uh, and, and the Grizzlies to right the ship because if they go down again tonight and they're down 3-1, they're more than likely losing the series. And then what we're going to be talking about is Dylan Brooks running his mouth and then LeBron James pointing up at the scoreboard afterward and taking over the series. So this, I'm rooting for the Grizzlies because I'm rooting for a good long series in this one and more animosity. So hopefully they, they can get a win tonight. M.A. Udoka is headed to the Houston Rockets to be their new head coach. Was the coach that the former of the uh, the Boston Celtics, who was put on administrative leave and then uh, eventually fired uh, for having a, a relationship with someone employed by the Celtics, which was against company policy. Well, the only thing against company policy was that he didn't report it. No, they didn't I, I think, disclose it. Yeah, they didn't disclose the the relationship. But it was mutual. I, I think of all the things going on in the world, this is a pretty easy one to explain away. Yeah. If you're a Odoka and the the Rockets, I don't I don't think it's um, I don't think it's even like Chris Beard level explanation stuff. But when he took the job at Ole Miss, right? I mean, yeah. they're going to have to answer questions about it, and he I, he's not going to go into a ton of detail. But you know, he's going to have to acknowledge, hey, I made some mistakes here, but uh, nothing illegal happened, right? And kind of move on from it, but. He is the top coach on the market for anyone, and the Rockets made the hire, and I do not blame them because he is the most talented coach that was available, so I understand why they wanted to go in that direction. Chad, so Aaron Rodgers, that storyline is over. Do you think the storyline of Lamar Jackson in Baltimore will be over by the end of the week? One way or the other. 
Yes. Meaning contract? I think that we're going to have some. I don't. I, you think I, it's going to continue on? Yeah, I do. And I, because we, you, we, Huntley, uh, uh, Huntley, excuse me, he signed the tender. So he's back. Maybe they draft a quarterback too, which adds to the more of the drama. Um, and I think what would intrigue a lot of people is what happens if like, one of the top teams that need a quarterback end up not getting the quarterback that they want so they don't draft a QB early. Yeah. And they go back to the board and try to acquire Lamar Jackson again. Well, what if... I'm thinking of if Indy. Baltimore the dra- what if Baltimore drafts a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, yeah, potentially. But Indy's the only team that was actively saying, yeah, we're, we're at least interested in having those discussions. Hey, if you did not have tickets to Morgan Wallen in Oxford, Mississippi last night, be thankful that you didn't show up and decide to go to that concert because they made the announcement after the opening acts that there would be no concert because he had no voice. But if you had tickets to the party the night before... Then you were you were in you, luck. You had a hell of a show. No rain out on that one. <laughs> Back with another nope. show tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern, right here on the No Outkick refunds Network. necessary for that party.